Good morning. Welcome to the, uh, I suppose, first official spring edition of Driving Theology of 2019. Uh, this is Mike, and it is a dreary, rainy, cold day this morning. Can the music here. Uh, so, yeah, I'm gonna need a little bit of heat, probably. Um, hopefully we'll keep it out of the speaker. Hopefully you can hear me just fine. Uh, so what's going on with you guys? We are in the middle of Sakura uh, blooming season here in northern Ibaraki. Uh, many of the Sakura are uh, mankai, which means uh, full bloom, at full bloom now, or some of them are even just past. One of my house, I would call it full bloom. Just beautiful, light pink, uh, delicate flowers uh, that come every spring. The, the sakura is, the, of course, the cherry blossom tree that's famous in Asia, especially Japan. Uh, they write songs about it, have festivals uh, for it, and uh, it'd be hard to find a better symbol for Japan. Sakura. It's, uh, it's a great symbol. Um, it, it speaks a lot about who the Japanese people are, uh, what they appreciate or have appreciated um, down through the years. Uh, their aesthetic for beauty. Uh, for example, their, their uh, love of fleeting beauty. Uh, which can be seen in most flowers and flowering trees, right? They don't last a long time. They're here today, but gone tomorrow. And actually, rain like this and wind is the other factor that uh, generally makes the blossoms prematurely fall from the trees. Um, and so, not knowing exactly when trees are going to bloom from year to year, because they 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 have a rough schedule, but weather and, and rain cycles and uh, all of those things play together to determine when they're going to bloom. Uh, it means that people have to be ready in this time for you know to 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 celebrate the trees at the drop of a hat. So you know this is one of the rare times you'll see people actually going out during the week. Um, Hanami, or, or flower viewing, flower watching. And they, they do it a lot at night. Uh, of course, people work during the day, but I think even people who work during the day might go out for lunch to, to uh, have a little picnic under the uh, flower blossoms, the uh, sakura blossoms, but it's just a beautiful time of year. Hopefully we'll have some warm weather before the flowers are gone, some warm, sunny weather. There's nothing really more sublime than the beautiful light pink flowers um, in front of the backdrop of a, a deep blue sky. It's just something that's just so beautiful and sublime. <clears throat> so, yeah, that's, that's what's happening here. And this week is the uh, begin beginning of a new school year. 
Japanese school year begins in April and goes through March uh, with uh, a couple seasons of vacation here and there. Uh, but generally, that's the case. Um, uh, so last week, I got to finally perform a wedding. Uh, you may remember the last time I tried to perform a wedding about three, four months ago. Uh, I came down with the flu two days before and I had to cancel it. Somebody had to stand in for me. Um, but I was able to do another wedding for another friend uh, this last weekend and it went very well and it was a bit of a homecoming because uh, there were several people there that I haven't seen in a while who uh, I have a great love for um, who are with uh, a suppose we call it a para, para church organization, but uh, they're just brothers and sisters in Christ to me. Uh, and uh, it was good to hang out with them, uh, spend some time with them dreaming and, and uh, reminiscing and catching up and all that stuff. Uh, and especially I, uh, I enjoyed spending time with uh, John Peterson. Uh, John is about 17 years older than me, uh, he is uh, what he would call a father in that organization called 24-7 Prayer, and he is uh, a very, very good encourager, uh, and he's had a lot of experiences, uh, and uh, he, he is able to give you the right words when you need them uh, kind of guy. It's very encouraging just to spend a little, a little time with him uh, laughing and, and uh, sharing and, you know, he's a super easy guy to be around with. He's just, just as fun as they come. Um, but I got to spend some time with him and, and I have in the past as well. I've known him probably something like seven years is my guess. Not terribly long. And I've probably only seen him a handful of times in those seven years. Uh, when I do, it's always very special. So, uh, we were able to stay in the same hotel and had breakfast, one long, very long breakfast together. And he has written a new book called Unraveled. Uh, and it, I, I'm just into the first chapter, uh, but it is a, a, a uh, ecclesiastical book. Uh, it's on ecclesiology or formation of the church uh, and he talks about um, interestingly enough construction and deconstruction uh, the same things that I've been talking about in the last month or so uh, but he talks about more uh, than personal construction or deconstruction uh, uh, targeted or even spirit-led deconstruction of the structures of church in order to discover God's intended, original intended, uh, what he calls blueprints for the church. And I'm not sure exactly how uh, yet I feel about all of that. Um, like I said, it's very early in the book. Um, and... <clears throat> 
I have to admit there are a few red flags that, that do go up kind of in my mind uh, when I hear um, things like that because sometimes um, you're just re replacing one tyrant with another uh, and I think that's it's a problem thinking we have to have a tyrant um, but there's a lot of great stuff in the book too uh, some, in fact there's something I, I underlined things I underlined in the first chapter that I thought were just wonderful, uh, insightful uh, things. And so I'll continue to read that and, and uh, try to keep up with you guys. Um, another thing I'm excited about is that for the last year or year and a half, maybe, maybe it may not have been two years, uh, but for a long time we were, uh, we had a men's meeting on Thursday mornings early on Thursday mornings, uh, and it looks like we're going to get to do that again, which I'm really excited about. Uh, I loved doing that, and, and one of the reasons that stopped is because of me, uh, one reason being that I, I, I uh, no longer uh, am teaching. Um, I was teaching from 10 o'clock that morning, and so it was easy to do this meeting and go on from there, but actually I got quite busy with uh, the cafe and then with uh, taking care of my father-in-law, but both of those situations are doing kind of well right now. And so I'm hoping to reconnect with these guys on Thursday mornings, and that'll be from tomorrow. And hopefully we'll get a, uh, another team cast that'll come out of that. Maybe we'll just hop in the car and uh, do a little uh, team cast for you guys. Uh, and hopefully we can get several of the guys uh, to... Um, be able to do that. Uh, so that will hopefully start happening from tomorrow, which is really exciting for me. Uh, I've missed meeting with the guys a lot. Of course, I've, you know, we've kept in contact, just not quite as regularly. Uh, and, and now we can, you know, sit down and hopefully continue to grow together and uh, to, to lean on each other and help each other kind of started as an accountability group. Uh, I'm not really big on that language anymore. Um, I think it, it asks itself uh, to be a, a shame-laden process. Uh, and so I'm, I, I'm, I'm leery to call it that. Not that those have been bad. They, you know, kind of what I needed in the beginning, and, and it was great, um, but I have a new theology since we had started the accountability group before uh, that embraces fully, or, you know, trying to embrace fully grace um, to the point where shame is no longer needed, you know. Shame and guilt, though perhaps uh, always involved in the process of going from brokenness to wholeness, uh, I still don't feel like are the best ways uh, to grow in knowledge of Christ. Uh, 
so <clears throat> you know any way that we can we can replace that that uh, presence of shame or guilt uh, even potential shame or guilt uh, I, I think it's a good thing to do because uh, as I've said before either grace is grace or it's not you know uh, there isn't more grace or less grace it's grace or it's not grace um, yeah you can say we have received grace upon grace but grace is unmerited favor and so yeah I, I think what Jesus did on the cross um, took care of that and now we just need to live into it, lean into it, uh, and enjoy it, and be grateful for it. Um, and if and when we 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 miss the mark, uh, be grateful that that's not counted against us. And that we have a father who uh, is not angry with us. Uh, and we have a Christ who. Uh, is taking care of all of that for us. And they have nothing but love and nothing but joy for us, uh, even in our failings. And that is a, an amazing, wonderful gift. I don't know how to say that any other way. It's, just, it's amazing. You know what Newton said? Amazing race. Grace is an amazing thing. It makes no sense. It makes no sense whatsoever in our broken world. But it makes every bit of sense in a whole world. In a whole world uh, lovingly overseen by Jesus. I wish you could remember the quote from John's book. It was really, really good. Oh, he said, you cannot, you cannot transform what you do not love. You cannot transform what you do not love. <laughs> An amazingly concise way to make a point. You cannot transform what you do not love. Which goes with what I've said before. Love is the only truly transformative power in the universe. Love transforms. You cannot listen to that. It's just a beautiful way to say it. You cannot transform what you do not love. Wow. Um, you know what? I think I'm going to stick with that theme for the rest of the time. Because uh, it's a great thing. It's just a good thing. Right? You cannot transform what you do not love. Uh, and again, transform is not just change. It means to go from one form to another. To wholly become something different. To transform. 
Okay. Uh, so it would be something like a dog becoming a cat. Uh, or a mouse becoming an elephant. <laughs> right? It's a transformation. Uh, and transformation, uh, though it does exist in nature, uh, is, is not the rule. I would say the rule is growth uh, and maturity. Whereas transformation is more like the caterpillar to the butterfly. Uh, or a seed to a tree, right? Where they don't resemble each other in almost any any way, shape, or form. Uh, transformation is difficult. And so when we're talking about transformation of character, uh, which, which I think is what all of us who are are truthful about who we are long for, right? We know our own character, character, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Character faults. Uh, we know our worst, we know the, the worst things about ourselves. We know where we fail, right? Our character flaws, so. Uh, I, I don't think anybody knows uh, better your own flaws. No, no one knows better than you what your character flaws are. And we long to be transformed, right? Uh, I have many character flaws. And I have tried and haven't ha, ha, uh, have had limited success in transforming those character traits that are uh, not helpful or even harmful. Um, but trying, just trying, uh, is not going to do it. Just trying for trying's sake. For example, uh, wanting to change my behavior just because somebody else doesn't like it or I don't like it is not a way to change character traits. Character traits are deep. They're woven into the fabric of your personality, right? Who you are uh, in a very real sense or at least who you look like. Uh, and so working on things as deeply embedded as character flaws requires a special amount of transformation uh, and and that transformation can only be affected by love right can only be effected by love I am a kleptomaniac, someone who is constantly stealing, who can't stop taking things that don't belong to them, right? If I'm a kleptomaniac, 
uh, it's not enough for me just to keep my hands in my pockets every time I go into a store uh, or even to refrain from ever going into stores right it's not enough to change my patterns or behavior Something needs to change inside. Something needs to change inside of me. Uh, obviously, I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist, so uh, this is not medical advice if you have these problems. This is just an example, and it may or may not work. Uh, so, one of the things I think that helps is to know that even with this problem, you are loved. But even knowing that you are going to continue in this problem, you are still loved. That somebody cares enough for you to overlook what you do and and make you the object of their affection. That there is somebody out there who loves you unconditionally. Okay, I'm gonna try to turn this heat down now. It's probably getting a little loud. Right, and this idea that you are unconditionally loved is not a normal thing, right? Uh, you don't, you don't get unconditional love by accident. Sorry, I'm going to take a sip of coffee. I'm really sleepy here. My yawn is trying to come out. Mm. Oh, that's good. Uh, I didn't sleep well last night. Uh, for some reason, it was cold. Even though it's not that cold, I just felt cold all day. Bed a little later than I wanted to, and woke up a little earlier than I wanted to. But anyway, it's all good. I should have plenty of time to rest between classes today. I hope. Uh, yeah. So, um, when you realize that that somebody loves you despite. The fact that you do something very, very bad, very unhelpful, uh, not good for yourself or other people, uh, something dishonest even, uh, when you know that somebody is committed to loving you through that, I think at that point you realize transformation is possible. It's possible. Um... Being unconditionally loved by someone uh, makes me desire to 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 live into that, to live up to that trust, the trust that, that's given, even though uh, I haven't shown that I can change yet. Uh, and this is a rare thing in the world, as I said before. Unconditional love is not what you're usually going to get. Usually what you get is uh, you do the crime, you do the time, right? Forgiveness uh, comes 
uh, at a high price in our world and in nature, right? Uh, if you choose not to save up food for the winter, uh, you may starve, right? Uh, if you choose not to migrate when it gets cold, you may freeze to death, right? And so your actions have, have implications, right, and consequences. Uh, and all actions have consequences. So when you steal, and when you steal from a group or a community, uh, or the community in which you live, you will usually be losing relationships. And the quality of your relationships will not be good, right? Because people fail to trust you. Uh, and the funny thing is, a lot of the behaviors that we have oftentimes, I think, come out of a feeling of not being loved, not being accepted, right? Feeling of, of isolation and loneliness. Uh, perhaps this is why uh, God is quoted as saying, uh, man should not be alone. Man was not made to be alone. However, that usually is said, it is not good that man be alone. Let us make for him a helpmate. Someone of his flesh. I can't remember exactly how Genesis says it. That's something like that. Something, something like that. Um, I totally got off the subject. Uh, yeah, so I think isolation uh, causes a lot of our character flaws. Right? A lack of, of uh, being socialized. Right? A lack of being a part of a family or a group. Not always, uh, but I think oftentimes they do uh, give the wrong kind of space for poor character choices, which become eventually character flaws, uh, are able to uh, fester. Not having good examples in your life of people who are living well, right, uh, is a byproduct of this. And so when we further isolate people because of their, uh, the things they do that we uh, don't agree with, right, uh, I think it only perpetuates the problem. Uh, in other words, prisons, uh, though I admit they are sometimes necessary for the safety of the people involved, uh, I don't think they always, uh, I don't think they, I think they almost never transform people, unless somebody in the prison has decided to love people through and despite of their, their, their flaws, their sin calling it the character flaws, uh, 
but I think it all kind of goes to the same place. Uh, my little brother's one of them. Uh, my little brother had a hard time in life from his teens. My parents split up. He was left alone a lot. Uh, and in that isolation, in that time alone, uh, he developed uh, bad character flaws and made bad, bad friends, bad connections, right? That continued to get worse and worse into his 20s and sort of culminated in his 30s. And he has spent uh, most of his 30s now, uh, actually I think he's now soon, he's going to be 40. Uh, but he has spent a lot of time behind bars um, because of Because of, I think, he was isolated from good, uh, good examples, good people who he could follow. Uh, he was left alone too much. Uh, not to mention, he was living in a new town, more or less, living in a new place. Uh, all of these things can cause isolation, loneliness and a, a hotbed for poor character traits to fester uh, and to kind of take over. But my brother in prison has found uh, Jesus. I think he's had a true conversion in prison. He's made friends. He's gained trust. He is leading Bible studies. He's even writing writing books, uh, somebody believed in him, took pity on him, had mercy on him, forgave him, for and for foremost is Christ, right? And he has been transformed, though he's not out, he is being transformed in prison, but I believe he is certainly the exception to the rule uh, from all I've seen and read. Uh, yeah, I, I think he's made the best of a very bad situation and I, I have seen him transformed uh, for certain. I can't wait for him to get out. Hopefully it'll be soon. Hopefully it will be soon. Uh, and so, uh, <clears throat> you cannot, you cannot transform what you do not love. Too many of us try to, to try to transform through shame and, and make our demands for others to, to transform, uh, not by letting them know that we love them unconditionally, but by, by example, showing them that we only love when they conform to our standard of, of behavior, right? Uh, and that does not transform. 
I think we've all been in relationships where we have known people, perhaps people who are uh, parents who are older than us or teachers who had expectations of us but did not have the wherewithal to affect the change that was necessary. You cannot transform what you do not love. Man, that's, that's almost a song. It's so beautiful. I may have to write a song about God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life, eternal life, or, or heavenly standard life. Um, that's, how, that's how God decided to transform the world. He showed his love on the cross. He showed that he loved everyone, that he forgave everyone, that he did not hold anyone's sins against them, nor would he ever. That he understood their pain and their plight and their inability to, to escape themselves and their own wicked, evil desires. That despite all that, he was committed loving them anyway. And that's how Jesus is transforming the world today. That's how it's going to work. And he's partnering with us. And so if you are one of the lucky ones, I shouldn't say lucky, but let's just go with it. If you are one of the lucky ones who realize how much you are loved, that, that realizes that that there's nothing you could do to diminish the love that Christ has for you, then you understand how you are going to be a part of the transformation that is to one day reconcile the entire earth. That's how you are going to affect that change. By loving other people as Christ loved you. Right? Jesus says, The new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, loved one another. And now I'm paraphrasing. He says, And in this way, uh, people will know that you belong to me. That's it. That's what we're doing. That's the kingdom. You cannot transform what you do not love. However, what you love cannot help but be transformed given, given enough time. God so loved the world that he gave his son. And Jesus, I thank you for giving me this conclusion to what started out as being a very, very shaky, <laughs> very not well thought out uh, start. And I thank you for loving me. No matter what I do, no matter what I've done, no matter what I will do. Thank you for loving me the same. 
for being, being committed for eternity to my transformation, to the transformation of the entire earth, human, animal, plant, rock, air, atmosphere, every atom, every neutrino, you will transform. Partnering with us, sharing love.